Okay. If there's no question, no more questions, we're going to start in just about 15 seconds. And Mick George, right? As it looks, that's how you say your last name, right? Absolutely. Sure. Okay, I will be right back. The recording looks like it's working fine. Okay, and five. Oh, I should mention the show naturally airs in the morning. So I'll, we'll pretend it's the morning. I know it's your morning, but uh, we're going to pretend. Well, it's, it's easy for me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> in five. Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back again with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how to utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make in a resulting outcome. And one of the goals of our show, thank God for money, is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very special time, summer, when time seems to be most precious. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Donna McGeorge. Donna is the productivity coach. She is obsessed with helping people make their work work. She uses a creative and practical approach to improve workplace efficacy and challenges traditional thinking on leadership, productivity, and working smarter. She is also the author of the very enlightening book, The One Day Refund, Take Back Time, Spend It Wise. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Donna. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. I'm thrilled to be here. Ah, uh, the honor is all ours. Kindly share with the listeners from where you're speaking today, please. Well, they may have even picked it up from the accent, but I'm not a local. Um, today I'm coming to you from the Gold Coast in sunny Queensland in the northeast of Australia. Oh, we've done it again here on Thank God for Monday Gone International. And you've done it because you've just made the host and the listeners very, very jealous. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful Australia. Thanks for getting up extra early, certainly to be here with us today. Uh, sadly, Donna, we've only got 30 minutes. We could spend hours talking about your incredible life and experience, this amazing book, The One Day Re Refund. If it's right with you, we're just going to jump right into the deep end of the pool. How can one start the day to increase your productivity? How can the start of the day really increase 
one's productivity. Well, the interesting thing is, Greg, our, our natural body clock is designed for mental alertness in the morning and physical dexterity in the afternoon. And so what this generally means for us is that in the mornings, we tend to be able to think better, solve problems, just do the things that require a little bit more mental, I don't know, um, intensity, if you will. And so if we decide really quickly, what are the most important things I need to do today? Most people have heard of productivity tips around that, you know, identify your top three things. I say go one step further and say, what are the things you need to do that you need your brain power for? And if you set yourself up for success by doing those things first, then your afternoon, you don't need as much brain power or <laughs> alertness and you can kind of then get through the other stuff. So it's really about protecting that really valuable time for your most important and intense work. Wow. Okay. Now, if I perceive correctly, you say that the first two hours of the day are really critical. What's the best way to make the most of these first two hours, please, Donna? Well, interestingly, it starts the night before. So if you think about the night before, what is it I want to do tomorrow morning? How do I set myself up for the best success tomorrow morning? There's some things you can do the night before that um, don't require much brain power. So depending on what you're doing the next day, um, so, for example, let's say I'm going off for a job interview with a, with a new organisation. I would be deciding what I'm going to wear the night before. I'll have already figured out the route that I'm going to use to get there because these are things that don't require much brain power, just a bit of research. And I might have also prepared two or three answers for some really common questions, just thought about them the night before so I sleep on it. So when I head off the next day, I'm in much better shape. Now, for those of us who, who are working or, or just, you know, reg regular folks, we might just, you know, think about what are the three things I need to do tomorrow morning. I still might plan my meals. I still might plan my route. I still might plan what I'm wearing. If I've got kids, I'm going to make sure I've got my kids organised, ready to do whatever they need to do in the morning. And that way I get the best out of that first two hours the next morning. Wow. So your solution, do I perceive correctly, is not to wait till that morning? but the night before to think about these critical issues? Absolutely. And now th there's two things about it. So we want to be very careful, though, that we're not keeping ourselves awake all night by worrying about things. And so it's not so much those. It's Remember, because the end of the day, we don't have as much um, mental alertness. And so doing some of these more physical things like what and, and very small decisions, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? you know, what time train am I going to catch, you know, all that sort of stuff doesn't use much brain power, but then it's done. Now, the research I've seen shows that you'll sleep better because sometimes there's two things that'll happen. You'll either wake up in the middle of the night going, how am I going to get there, you know, or you'll get up in the morning and then despite evidence to the contrary, you'll go, I've got nothing to wear. And so it creates a stressful feeling in that in the morning. So making those simple decisions the night before frees you up for a great night's sleep and um, a great start to the next day. And if I perceive correctly, whether it's going to an interview or even going to work or something else, the less stress you can have before, uh, the better it's going to be. Is that true, Donna? Yes, it is. It's, it's related to something called decision fatigue. So if you imagine that we only have a specific amount of decisions, you know, random makeup, let's say we've got 100 decisions we can make in a day, just let's make it up. Um, so the, if you use them all up uh, too early, 
then what happens when you need to make an important decision at the end of the day, you just haven't got the energy for it. And so it's also related to willpower. So if I'm trying to do the right thing by manage my diet or get exercise or whatever, you know, all those kinds of things, if I get to the end of the day, I just don't have the energy to make the right decision about my food or my health or whatever. And so if we're making simple decisions the night before, like what am I going to wear, all those kinds of things, then the next morning we're freed up to be in great shape, our mind is clear, and then, you know, we can make the, the right decisions at the right time with all that great capacity, mental capacity. Uh, makes perfect sense. Now, I want to shift gears a bit because I spent 30 years in big pharmaceuticals. I've been in higher ed now for about 12 years. And one of the things I have found very, very challenging is to block time. But you say that this can be done. Share with I, me, please, and the listeners, how do we do this, Don? I totally think it could be done because I do it every day. Um, <laughs> so there's a couple of things. There's two reasons we block time. One is because we want to protect time for ourselves to think, and I call it, you know, thinking space, breathing space, just so we've got some space to, to think through our world. And the second is to get specific tasks done. So what I know, and you would have learned this as well from working in a big pharmaceutical company, that if there's space available in your diary, it's almost like it's up for grabs. Anyone can come and book an appointment, book time in. If you leave it free, people will grab it, right? Um, and if we're not careful, if we're not discerning and conscious about who we're giving that time to, who or what we're giving that time to, it can easily be just chewed up. So, look, I don't like using the discipline word, but I'm going to right now because it does require a bit of discipline. So I protect the first two hours mo mostly of my day for work that I find the most either important for my career or stimulating or interesting or the stuff that I really think is important for my world. So I protect my time for that. And it does require a bit of discipline. Uh, now, it, on the odd occasion, I get a great opportunity like right now where I'm, I'm using some of my morning time to have a conversation with uh, Greg, uh, with you, Greg. So what I'll do is say, okay, I'm going to just now protect the two hours after this. And so I am okay to move it, but I'm very, very, it's a, it's a big deal for me to move that time. So that's one aspect. The other is um, we always grossly underestimate how long things will take. And so uh, it's known as the planning fallacy. And so someone says to you, hey, can you write me an article on X? And you go, yeah, I should be able to knock that out in an hour. And three hours later, you're still beavering away at it. And so I'm going to say you need to block and protect time for focused work because the reason it takes three hours is of distractions or the phone rings or other bits and pieces. I might have been able to knock it out in an hour if I actually focused for that time. So I'm a huge fan of time blocking and in my diary, there's never any gaps because I've protected time for various things. So I have a full day, but there's no gaps in my diary because I, if you looked at it, you'd think I was busy. But no, I've got time to write this article, time to make a phone call, time to go walk my dog, whatever it might be. Yeah, the light bulb just went on. Earlier this year, I was appointed to the Office of Mission, Ministry, Interfaith Dialogue at St. Francis. And I've work-led people before, but I've never managed people. And now I have a couple of wonderful deputies who I'm managing. And there are times when I think something shouldn't take that long, but it seems to take longer than it does. And the light bulb just went on because I'm interrupting them every 10 or 15 minutes. 
So if I give them something to do, I need to uh, not do that in the future. Leave them alone to do it. <laughs> yeah, Don, I think you touched on this before, but maybe we can peel the onion. I don't know if there's some scientific research or some other reasons dealing with psychology, but the morning seems to be the best time for important decisions. Peel the onion a little bit more. What is this all about? So it is related back to the decision fatigue thing, but really where the science comes into it is our bodies are designed, we have a a body clock, a rhythm, and um, we're designed to wake up when the sun comes up. That's, That's why we have... In our, in our brains, we secrete something called melatonin. And so when we secrete melatonin, it actually makes us sleepy and melatonin production starts happening when, we, when it gets dark. So when it gets, starts to get dark, melatonin is triggered to pre- produce. That makes us sleepy. We go to sleep, fall unconscious for six to eight hours. That's what we're designed for. Um, and then uh, as the light starts to come up, the, uh, we stop producing melatonin. That makes us feel wakeful. Um, so this is why people who, who, you know, jet lag or shift workers sometimes struggle uh, with sleep because their body's out of whack with the natural rhythms. So that's the first thing. So we're actually designed a certain way to, to get a prop, between six and eight hours sleep a night, and that's why our, our, our brain produces that. And then what happens is mental alertness is because through the night we're processing the day, which is why we dream which is why we sometimes wake up at two in the morning and go, oh, I forgot to send that email, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Um, and so what happens is our brain processes and puts some things, it, it, it not that deletes it, but it kind of just parks a whole bunch of things we don't have to worry about. It stores things that we may need to remember in the future. And so when we wake up, it's why we often wake up fresh because we're like, ah, oh, brain's nice and clear. You know, if we've had a good night's sleep, it's shifted things on. So that time in the morning is really precious. It's such a great opportunity to, to take advantage of, of time. Now, I know some of your listeners might be thinking, oh, look, I'm not really a morning person. I'm really a, I'm more of a night yeah. owl. Night owl. And I'm going to say that's okay. Um, you know, you're still, if, if, you, if, you, if you're familiar with what your body clock does, if you know that your rhythm is that you go to bed maybe after midnight, and you typically wake up maybe at around eight or nine in the morning, whatever your rhythm is, it's those first two hours on waking and then our first two hours of work. So it doesn't really matter. I don't necessarily say everyone has to be up. There's some stuff out there that CEOs telling us all to get up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I do not subscribe to that at all. Oh, that's so interesting because many of our listeners are college students and some of the students like to have a later hours or they work later maybe in this net. So that's very helpful uh, for them to know. Now, one of the questions, this is very selfish because I need help in this area, Donna, please. Uh, I like to have a nutritious lunch, but then uh, I'm lucky that I work in kind of a corner area and have a tendency sometimes to really want to just doze off because of that post-lunch slump. Help me out, Don. What should I be doing, please? Well, I, I, I'm not sure whether you're going to like the expected answer, but I'm going to say have a nap. Um, <clears throat> it's, actually, it's actually a good time to put your head down for 15 minutes and have a bit of a nap. I had the good fortune yeah. of living... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the good fortune of living in China for a couple of years. And it is... The, the Chinese culture is very much one around... Lunch is sacrosanct. 
everyone goes and has lunch at between 12 and 1 every day. Um, and the place empties out. So the office is empty out, everyone goes for lunch. And then they come back after lunch and they pop their head down on their desk and they literally. just have a little nap. Yeah, 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 literally. And so for us oh. foreigners, we look at that and go, oh, gosh, I reckon if back here in Australia, if I was in an office and I put my head down on my desk, I reckon someone would come and poke me to check. Are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> so I'm going to say if you are in a circumstance where you can have a little power nap, no more than, you know, 15 to 20 minutes if you can, I'm going to say have it. But if you can't, if like if circumstances are you can't and you've got to soldier on, I'm going to say um, you don't want to try to do anything that's mentally taxing at that time. So there is plenty of things we do that doesn't require a lot of mental alertness. So, you know, processing emails are great examples. So we get a lot of email during the day. Sure. So what are the emails that you just go, yep, 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 done, done, great, great, no, no, noted, file, file. That's a great time at that slumpy time. So there's no way to, I guess what you're asking me, is there a way to avoid it? And there actually isn't. It's a natural part of our body rhythms. Now, if you have a good high protein uh, lunch, as you say, or a nutritionist, nutritional lunch where you get, you know, the right amount of vitamins, minerals, et cetera, that's giving yourself your best shot. Um, but resting and resting the mind, it's not, a, it's not a bad thing to do in that after lunch slump. I'll give you one more tip. I don't know. Do you like a cup of coffee? Do you like coffee? I'm sorry to say it doesn't agree with me. Right. Well, maybe some of your listeners might. Sure. But I, I read something recently around having a nappuccino. So it takes about 20 minutes for cafe, the effects of caffeine to hit the system. So if you have a, a shot of coffee, put your head down for a bit of a nap for 15 minutes, oh. then you're going to get a double whammy of the oh. caffeine hitting you. You're going to like really, you know, that 15-minute break will mean your afternoon is that much better. Because the, the thing you got to watch out for is that, that, that tiredness you feel, you, you overdo it and so you're, you, it lingers longer, whereas if you have a bit of a nap or an appuccino, whatever floats your boat, or at least have a bit of a rest, go for a walk, get some fresh air, take your mind away from the work, your afternoon, because you get a, you get an energetic resurgence, um, you'll be that much better mm. through that. Ah, oh, that's terrific. Thank you. <laughs> now, one of the things I learned in my 30 years in pharmaceuticals, as well as my time in higher ed, is that meetings could be a real time grabber. Talk to us about meetings specifically. How long really, Donna, should meetings last? Well, typically, you know, that, that's a bit like saying, how long's a piece of string? We can say a meeting lasts as long as it needs to. But there are, I think for your business as usual, your day-to-day -day interactions with your colleagues. I've written a book about it and I've tested it over at least 10 years, um, running 25-minute meetings. And I know that sounds like a very specific number, 25 yes. minutes. Um, but I, it is specific because it's based on the research of Francesco Cirillo, who wrote the book, The Pomodoro Method. He did all the research around how long can people mentally focus before they need a short break. And it's 25 uh, minutes. Wow. Right? So really great uh, research. So I, I kind of went on the, I piggybacked on the back of his research. And so most meetings, even, um, and, I've, and I've tested this, you can't convince me of otherwise, you can still be nice, you can still say, hey, g'day, how are you going, how are the kids, how are the pets, good. And then you can say, all right, here's what we need to cover off today. You can get into that and it can all be done in 25 minutes and you can still be nice to each other. Wow. So I say, but having said that, I've just recently come off a two-day meeting doing strategic planning. 
Oh so my you can't goodness. do a one-year strategy uh, in 25 uh, minutes. So, uh, so it's really for your day-to-day kind of getting work done, regular work done kind of meetings. So I, I say 25 minutes. Oh, that's perfect. Hands down. Thank you very, very much. This great book of yours entitled The One Day Refund. I'm sure our listeners now want me to ask this and they've been waiting for me to ask this. How can we all get a one day refund? Well, how can you, well, getting a copy of the book separate to how do you get a refund. So I'll talk about how you get the refund happening first. Um, It's really about thinking, where can I shave 15% of time away from my life? Now, and I don't mean as in, it's cutting my life short. I mean, as in there's room for us to say, if so so 15% of seven days is one day, but if we can't put it over the whole week, where can I give myself an hour every day? or maybe four uh, or five hours a week where I just stop and think and give myself space. The idea comes from this notion that we don't have to be 100% on 100% of the time. And so the things that, because often what gets sacrificed in our desire to be wildly successful in our work or whatever is that we forget about the things that fill us with joy or that other reason why we work, whether it's spending time with family or in prayer or in, you know, whatever it is we want to do, what are the things that fill us with joy? And they often get sacrificed so that we can continue doing the work. So my, my big thinking is that we two things, we need to be operating at about 85% capacity to give us space rather than 100%. So technically that's just over an hour a day, about five or six hours a week. On a seven day, it's one full day where you do nothing except the things that bring you joy or thinking or so for me I'm a writer right and so I do like make using that time for writing because it fills me with joy oh Hmm. oh that's terrific that's terrific and so the best thing to do with that one day refund as you said fill it with joy things that yeah I, I don't think we do enough about joy I think we're so busy trying to work hard and be successful and get results and I sometimes think, you know, if we think about our work as a means goal, it's a means to an end. What's the end? Why do we work? Why do we do what we do? Is it not for family, for, you know, for pleasure, for travel, for whatever it is we want to do? And so I think it's about getting back in touch with that again mm-hmm. and remembering that work is... I think the last two years have given a lot of people that opportunity to really recognise um, you know, why do we work? We're seeing a big shift globally around how people are viewing their work, which I find really interesting because they're recognising it's not the end, it's the means to the end. One of the things very interestingly in the States we're seeing is this great resignation. Yes. Are you seeing it down under as well, Donna? We are indeed. And, and look, some are calling it the great re, rediscovery, re connection, whatever you want to call it. But yes, there's this massive shift now. As, and, and it's interesting, uh, our minimum wage is not as low as the minimum wage in the US, but we've got, our, we've got a fairly low minimum wage as well. And it's in minimum wage jobs where we're seeing it the most, where people are saying things like, it's not enough money to take me away from these things that are more important for oh, me. And it's, wow. it's a really interesting thing. So because uh, I, I live in North Queensland and I was up in far North Queensland where we have the sugarcane um, fields and fruit and, and, and they just cannot get the people to come and pick the fruit and cut the cane and all those oh, kinds oh, of jobs. Wow. Uh, and even um, hospitality, 
white 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 jobs and stuff like that they're struggling to fill mm. um, at the highest level of the of organizations and the highest kind of employment levels we're seeing people retiring early because it's just you know what it's just not worth it and oh. we learned over the last two years we had some of the strictest lockdowns in the world and we learned about living with families again and connecting with our families and people are like I don't want to go back to that Oh. You know, I, don't, I, I, I was a really present dad over the last two years mm. and I don't want to be an absent dad anymore. Oh. I want to stay. It's just, it is, there's a, there's a gloriousness to this, They're but it's really, really having an interesting impact on the economy. I don't know where it's headed, but yes, we're feeling it too. Uh, that, that's amazing. Now, one of the things that I was challenged with, and I know so many other people are, we want to be productive. Yeah. But if we're not careful, we can just burn ourselves out. Donna, how do we balance productivity with preventing burnout? Yeah, great question. You know, um, I'm going to tell the story of one of America's greatest ever Olympic athletes, uh, Carl Lewis. In fact, oh. one of probably the world's greatest athletes, right? Mm. And um, he medaled at four Olympics and he was always known as a, a slow starter but a strong finisher. And so after you've listened to this, uh, listeners, go and Google and watch his races and you'll see what I mean. Uh, what later came to be found was it actually ran the whole race at the same pace. So while everyone else was using all their energy in the first two-thirds of the race trying to get ahead and 100%, if not more, he would run at 85% for the whole race. And so you'd, you see him, the first third he's behind, the second third he comes equal, and the third third it looks like he just charges away oh, from them. But he's actually uh -huh. running the race at the same pace. It's really interesting. Mm. So I'm going to say that all of us need to have a, a Carl Lewis approach to how we approach our work. Operate at 85%, but, you know, manage our energy throughout the day. We don't have to go hard. Do you know what? Most of what we're doing can wait until tomorrow. Mm. Right, it can. It, there's these arbitrary deadlines we give ourselves. We make up this stuff that actually cannot wait till tomorrow. In, in fact, I'm going to say um, avoid doing things like feeling like you have to get all your emails finished by Friday by 4 o'clock. Like you don't have to do that. Like they can spread over to next week. It doesn't really matter. Be really clean about your start and finish hours because um, – we all work in, in modern workplaces that, are, that we're, we're meant for in our modern economy, I should say. Eight hours sleep, eight hours work, eight hours leisure is what we're meant wow. to be doing in our 24. That's what Labor Day, you know, and that's what unions fought so hard for us to have. And so make sure you have your leisure time. You've got to have your downtime. Otherwise, the burnout, and burnout's getting younger. They're saying that it's happening now in corporates as young as 30 experiencing oh, no. extreme burnout. I know it's just not right. Yeah, absolutely. We've only got about three minutes, but I have two important questions. Uh, this one intrigues me. You talk about the whatever syndrome. Can you maybe in a minute or so, what the heck is this whatever syndrome? Oh, whatever syndrome. It's, it's decision fatigue, really. It's like you get to get to a meeting and you're really tired and someone says, you know, should we, should we spend $6 million with this company A or this company B? And you just go, oh, whatever. <laughs> right? Because I'm so tired, I don't have the energy to think through. So I just go, whatever. Yeah. Wow. So we don't want to be making decisions using the whatever nah. syndrome. No, we that's do right. not. And that's where you talked about the morning is really that great time to be making it those is. critical decisions. That's it. On so I put it up. If someone asks you an important decision in the afternoon, say, can I sleep on it, please? Oh. Do it in the morning. What a great response. Most important question of all, Donna, from where can our loyal listeners purchase the one day refund? 
how can they best follow you? Okay, so the book is available on all the all usual suspects online, so all your online bookstores. I don't know how many physical bookstores there are in the US, so I think the safest thing to do is go to an Amazon or whatever your preferred online bookstore okay. is. Um, you'll find me at donnamcgeorge.com. Uh, I've been told I'm a shameless self-promoter on social media, so I'm a regular on socials. You'll get me on all the platforms. And I usually share tips, ideas, articles, thoughts around, you know, how do we be productive and not busy? Because I think sometimes people mix that up. So it's all about I'm, I'm not lazy, but I do like to seek the path of least resistance. So you'll get oh. lots of stuff around that. Oh, that's so beautiful. Listeners, no excuse. Pick this book up. There's a lot of different sources. And adonamcgeorge.com. Uh, tips, tricks, uh, because we need to have much better balance in our lives. So buy a book for yourself. Buy one for a friend. Share the good, as we like to say here on Thank God for Monday. And indeed, you'll be better off. The world will be better off and your friend will be better off as well. Dominic George, we can't thank you enough all the way from Australia, bringing us all these nuggets today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Continue joy, success, happiness in all this wonderful writing and speaking and all this other wonderful, great work that you're doing. And I don't know if you ever come to beautiful Brooklyn, but if you do, uh, we would love to uh, get together and uh, meet with you. That's for sure. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Uh, the pleasure is always. Listeners, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday, just like Donna does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. Please tune in next week for another episode of Thank God for Monday. And until then, have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.